G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Just a little warning ahead of time, might be little ears listening in and uh, some of the things we might talk about could be confronting and so just a little warning in advance. Some new developments in a story that we first heard last year. It was a no-holds-barred story of a destructive life that's now been turned around and reflects on God's love, redemption and discovery of his purpose. So issues like addictions, abuse, neglect, teen pregnancy, self-harm, suicidal ideation, self-destruction and crime. Well, our special guest today ticks the box to each one of those experiences. She survived years of sexual, physical and mental abuse throughout childhood as a teenager and even into adulthood. Statistics would show that one in six women and one in ten men have been sexually abused as children. So our special guest today, Renee Michelle. She grew up dreaming of a life without pain, rejection, loneliness and fear. But reality for Renee was in attempted suicides, self-destructive behaviour and violent relationships that made the dream a distant spark never to be attained. Well, Renee Michelle told her story in her book, Battle Scars Are Beautiful, From Victim to Victory. And now there are some new developments. Doors have been opening for Renee to share her story far and wide. She's been named the first ambassador for what is known as the Stepping Out Program, supporting and empowering adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse. Renee Michelle, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. I love being here. Renee, let's get into the the depth of what we want to talk about nice and early, and there'll be all sorts of things and listeners might like to help direct where our conversation goes, but how should we understand uh, this word trauma? Because sometimes we think of trauma and we're thinking of, you know, soldiers on a battlefield. And we don't always relate that trauma to what's happened in childhood sexual abuse. But how do we think about that sort of word of trauma and how that relates to children? That is such a great question, a very powerful one, because there is a lot of misconception and misunderstanding around what trauma actually is. Trauma, Neil, is not the event that happens to us. It's the way our brain makes sense of that event. And that's why we all experience different situations uniquely to ourselves. That is why people can um, maybe be in a bank robbery and everybody responds differently. Some people are able to just jump back on their feet and get on with their day and other people utterly break down. And that that creates a lot of stigma and misunderstanding because the people that really suffer with that say, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just get over it? Everybody else seems to be okay. Um, you know, I'm weak. I'm faulty. 
And with child sexual abuse, obviously, we're talking about children. We're talking about innocents and vulnerables. We're talking about young people whose brain is not fully developed yet. And how can you make sense of something that makes no sense? Renee, take us a little more deeply into your story. I mentioned a few things. I mentioned a lot of things in the introduction, and uh, it's sort of a scattergun approach. But uh, as you were hearing me introducing you, and, you know, uh, the risky thing of, you know, raising these things in your mind again to take us back into those. But what of those things in the introduction do you think listeners ought to know about your own story and how significant it is in these developments that are coming with your life now? Look, I think one of the biggest things to know is we, we can't bury our head in the sand. These things are happening. They have been here for a very, very long time. My abuse started when I was 10 years old. So that was in the 80s. And we didn't talk about anything that was unsightly, right? We didn't want to know about it. It was uh, swept under the carpet and it was uncomfortable. And, And of course, it's uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable today. But the fact is, by not talking about it, we allow these things to grow, to breed um, and to absolutely obliterate people's lives because for me, I was silent. I didn't tell anybody because I was confused. No, this wasn't going on. I didn't see any campaigns like we have today. There was no education in the school system. The word abuse was never used. So I thought I was the only person in the world going through this experience. And for some, they will hold off not talking about this uh, right into the later years of their life. And at that point, you've already suffered all of this trauma that we're talking about today. So talking about these things while you're younger, the younger you start to talk about it, the quicker you can get on top of these things. But as I understand it, some people, they will take as long as 25 years Uh, from those initial experiences before they'll actually talk about them. That's absolutely correct. The statistics say and what came out of the Woodrow Commission into Childhood and Institutional Abuse, the general age is around 20 to 25 years before people are talking. And I'm contacted constantly by people saying, I still haven't told my story and I'm 70 or 80 years old. So the shame has not broken yet. And it's the shame that survivors carry that keep us silent. Uh, when we talk shame, because this is such an important concept to understand, and sometimes uh, we misconstrue what this really means, but this shame, this makes us like the victim. It it turns us into the guilty party when it wasn't us that caused it, and it was someone else's intrusion into our life. There was a perpetrator. There was someone who violated us. Uh, this is the sort of shame that we can carry, and the shame keeps us thinking that it's our fault. Absolutely. The shame is what drove me to wanting to take my life. It was the shame that was crushing. The shame was the hardest part because I felt dirty. I felt that it was my fault that I was a bad person. And that's what shame does. It changes our perspective and we take all of that onto ourselves and all of a sudden the perpetrator is nowhere to be seen and every day it was like oh my gosh I should have done more why didn't I do this and the anguish is excruciating and we're going to get into some of these things and perhaps unpack them a little deeper but I do want to invite listeners to join into our conversation today Uh, this might be your story you might really identify with what you're hearing from Renee you might have a question You might have a comment. You might have a critique. 
uh, even happy to take calls from people who are saying, well, this happened to me and it was in church life. I mean, I hope you're a, a good with that, Renee, if we talk about Absolutely. that because because it's one of those things that oftentimes we think we're somehow or other, uh, you know, we shouldn't talk about that. Opportunity to air some of those things today, although we won't make that the main part of our conversation because it's much, much more broadly than what happened in churches, and that's given the church a very bad reputation. Uh, Not all church leaders have been guilty of that, only a very few when it comes to the percentages. But let's talk through these sorts of things that are happening with you right now, because uh, since our last conversation and the launch of your book, there's been all sorts of doors opening, and I know listeners will be able to hear, well, she's such a wonderful communicator, this is why the doors are opening, but tell us what's been happening since then. It has been just an unbelievable process. So since the book came out in August last year, um, I've had the opportunity to work with Queensland Police Service down here at the Recruitment Centre at Oxley, speaking with specialist detectives that that their entire role is to deal with adult reporters of their childhood sexual abuse. And that just filled me with so much encouragement that the police, you know, the people that are on the front line that have got to deal with this, you know, disgusting, evil situation are wanting to do it better. So they brought me in and we recorded for two hours my story and they just really wanted to ask me questions about what do we do? How do we do that better? Um, I had the opportunity to be profiled by YMAG, which is Australia's leading female empowerment magazine here in Australia, as one of eight female change makers of 2020. That was just an amazing experience. And then I had my story featured in a double feature spread in New Idea this year in June. So it was crazy opening that up and seeing my my story and really empowering survivors by saying you are not alone. And then the most recent um, thing that happened just a couple of weeks ago, Stepping Out Program is an amazing organisation in Sydney and they support female adult survivors of child abuse to thrive and live in the community. And they contacted me and I have spoken alongside Lucy Brogdon, the National Commissioner for Mental Health here in Australia, in a webinar last week where they announced me as their first ever appointed ambassador. Okay, and being the official ambassador is going to open even more doors. And uh, at the moment, there's not as many people uh, being invited to uh, address personally uh, big gatherings, but no doubt that'll return as things return to normal after COVID. But uh, online opportunities, have you been doing any sort of Zoom events and things like that? Because I suspect you'll be in demand. Zoom has been huge. (laughs) I wish I had shares in Zoom, I must say. Every week, uh, Neil, during COVID, I was either on a virtual summit uh, with a lot of organisations in a, in the States. Uh, so I have a, quite a large following over there. So a lot of leadership uh, organisations and summits around personal leadership, personal development, and how you overcome challenges to all of a sudden become a leader in your sphere of influence. So that was something that I was you know, really excited to be a part of. Um, and every week there's podcasts. There is podcasts everywhere. And, there, and it's great because they are via Zoom. So we're still connecting and connecting during this time of isolation where a lot of our human relationships have broken down. It has been really instrumental. Renee, what impresses me too, and these opportunities opening up uh, gives grand opportunity because you've taken so seriously what God has done in your life. Uh, You've done some formal studies. You've released your book. He is front and centre in your testimony in your story give us a little idea about what God has done and we can get into some deeper things but an overview on what God's done in your life oh look he has restored in me 
10 times, 20 times over what was ever taken away from me. He stripped all of that back and reminded me of who I was in his sight, being priceless, worthy, valuable. And this is why I always start with identity when working with survivors. It is who you are in Christ's image. You are blameless. You are righteous. And that was my starting point when I started my healing journey at 26 years of age was it was about peeling back all that faulty belief that I had about myself and going back to who he said I was. And that released, Neil, that was the only thing that took that shame from my shoulders. And I've just been in love with his love ever since. Wow. What a wonderful testimony that God is the one who can set you free from the trauma that accompanies childhood sexual abuse. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Renee Michelle is our guest. She wrote the book, Battle Scars Are Beautiful, From Victim to Victory. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. And you can respond to that Facebook question, the question that I'm asking today, how do you think survivors of childhood sexual abuse overcome their trauma? You can find that at Vision's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Renee, let's take a call or two early. Mel is on the line from northern New South Wales. Mel, welcome along. Hi, thanks, Neil. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm wonderful, Mel. Nice to hear from you. What are your thoughts, Mel? Yeah, you too. Um, I just sort of wanted to share like what Renee was saying about the whole trauma with um, childhood sexual abuse. Uh, unfortunately, I, I was one of them victims as a child by uh, two different people over a, a number of years. Um, but with the trauma, as you said, Renee, people don't realise what's involved in it. Uh, and that's where it's hard because my trauma ended up um, two and a half years ago, I ended up in prison uh, due, to, due to a lot to do with the trauma from childhood abuse, which I didn't know at the time. It was the unspoken, you, you know, you don't talk about it and um, people were aware of what had happened. One situation was dealt with where the other wasn't. Um, and I was, as much as it was unfortunate with all my actions, I was fortunate enough to have found God in prison uh, through Kairos and uh, learnt to cope with my trauma through the Kairos ministry inside and, and the chaplain and turned my life around and I've been out for 14 months now and have my own business and, yeah, total life change, very open to, to talk about what, what has happened and, and how I've changed and, and to help others. Wow, Mel, wow. <laughs> well done for you. I'm just, and isn't, you know, prison ministry so essential? Um, you know, we we miscalculate, we misunderstand the, the gravity of that trauma and, you know, that leads us to, to actions later in life. I was, you know, very destructive, made very poor choices in my life and I too didn't understand the correlation between what I had experienced as a child. But when we live in silence, of course, um, and we don't deal with the things we go through, it can lead us down a rocky road. But wow, look at you now. That's amazing. Mel, let me ask you before we let you go, because when you yeah. are in prison undoubtedly you talk with fellow prisoners did you and we're talking you know anecdotally here is there lots of evidence to suggest that a lot of the women you were serving time with uh, had the same sort of experience in their background that led to the trauma and then led to all of the destructive things that happen yeah definitely neil and i think that's the that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize um you, you don't commit a crime for the sake of it 
there's always something behind what they've done. Um, and, and like I didn't realise I was even committing a crime. That's, that was my mental health at the time. Um, and I thought, you know, I thought everything was okay. And I was just your average, your average female. I was, I was an athlete. I was a full-time mum. I, you know, it's just one of them things. And you go inside and it's a whole different world in there, you know, and, and it is, it's very important that, that people understand that there is more to, to life than, than judgment. And yeah, that it's, it's, it's a horrible situation to be in being in a prison, um, and, you know, I'm one of the fortunate ones. I come out and I've, you know, I've turned my life around, but there's, you know, 70, 75 to 80% of people that are incarcerated reoffend, which is sad. Mel, thank you so much for calling in and telling your story. Absolutely thrilled. You've found God in prison uh, through the Kairos Prison Ministry, and uh, that set you on a different trajectory. And I know that uh, when you got change, God comes into your life. Uh, things don't change instantly, but you're on a process then of, uh, of starting to understand and to overcome some of that trauma from your background. Mel, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Nigel is in Maryvale in Queensland. Hi, Nigel. Welcome. Hey, you going, mate? Yourself? Good, good. Nigel, what are your thoughts? Hey, mate, um, what we know is saying about People need to speak about it more. It's it, it's so hits a nail on the head because it takes a lot of courage. If you're a child and you go and reach out to an adult and tell them about abuse and it gets treated, you know, wrongly, that child's unlikely to ever do it again, which makes him a perfect little victim for the pedophile involved. Um, and it should be more... More, more emphasis on the parents taking the child seriously and acting then, because if you act then, the, the trauma's lessened to some degree, right? Um, so, like, speaking about it, and when I say speaking about it, it's not just a family matter, it's, it should be a society matter. It should be treated like bullying. We should have public campaigns where, you know, like, if someone does speak out, you take it seriously, even take someone to the doctor, you know, right? and you act on it there. And that, that'll actually stop other abuse victims because if that's acted upon at that time, the, the abuser is going to be stopped from abusing again because the whole point of childhood abuse, it's easy victims because no one believes a child. Talking about it early, talking about it early saves a lot of pain later. Uh, Good thoughts, Nigel. A response here from Renee. What are your thoughts for Nigel? Absolutely, Nigel. And I speak to a lot of parents and do a lot of community work uh, around, you know, the very simplistic things around how we protect our children very at the very front being in our own home so even things about body safety I'm very big about body safety using correct names for body parts and only mum and dad do you know certain things and not having your children running around naked for you know and having to hug and kiss everybody you know that really intrinsic basic um, behavior that we can start in the home I'm I'm all for that and when I was speaking to the police exactly what you said Nigel about the first time that child speaks to somebody you have their life and future in your hands your reaction your body language and the words you choose will choose the trajectory for that child 
Wonderful. Good insight, Nigel. Thank you so much for your call. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. And if you can't get through, uh, you might like to be one of those responding on our Facebook question today and engaging with other listeners who are telling their stories and perhaps giving their own tips. The question I'm asking today is, how do you think survivors of childhood sexual abuse overcome their trauma? Facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Let's take another call. Sharon is in Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Sharon. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Really well, Sharon. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, so my story um, was pretty intense um, right from when I was three years old. And for some reason, I don't know why, but um, I've been able to remember... Um, right back to when I was three. And um, I I really feel like over my life, um, my younger teenage life, um, I felt like something was protecting me. Um, And as I got older, when I was 13, I gave my life to the Lord. And that um, took on a whole different perspective in my life. And the things that I was going through mentally, um, I could feel like I could talk to God about it. And I, I probably wasn't until I was about 30, 35, 36, I got some very good uh, Christian counselling, um, got through that, and I... Um, from there, my whole life just changed, and you know I think forgiveness in in this is such a big thing, and to forgive yourself is very very important, and know that you know our God just loves us so much, and when you let His love just pour out over your life, that brings on a whole new perspective. Um, I've, through that, I have been able to help and save other people that have been affected by this traumatic thing that happens. Um, I, I get a little bit upset when, you know, children are very vulnerable and they're very carefree and they trust everybody. Um, and I'd really like to say to parents from my own experience, you know, if you've got a good relationship with your children, please, please listen to them. Um, you will know your children when they're telling the truth or they're scared or they're frightened. So please just look upon those things and really have a look at how their behaviours are and when can find that time to come to you or just, you know, level, sit on the floor together or... You know, whatever it is, whatever that thing is that you do with your children. Sharon, you're making wonderful sense and wonderful to listen to your story. And those tips are absolutely amazing. Renee, your thoughts for Sharon. Sharon, I just want to say I'm so, so grateful that you found Christ at 13 and I totally understand what you're saying about just being enveloped in his love and for me that was the restorative power, was through his word, through his love and 
that really was the cleansing that I needed and the purifying to take to separate myself from what had been done to my body and my mind and realize that that was not me and he did that for me and I'm so grateful that he did that for you as well. Renee we're going to take another call in just a few moments just there's lots of people who are responding on Facebook um, just to pick up on on a couple of people who are saying Bernard says still working on it and Janelle says struggling a lot so we're not talking to people today who are who are where you're at there are people who are still struggling with how I get over this trauma what are your thoughts for those couple of listeners who've responded today the biggest thing I want you to hear is that you're not alone and that is something that we do feel now we're starting to hear a little bit more about this is a, a far and wide issue but we still feel feel alone. My biggest advice to you is please, please don't struggle alone. Please reach out to a specialist organization, to somebody that you can trust. Um, Being being the ambassador for Stepping Out uh, program has been one of the biggest joys of my life because they meet you where you're at. They understand, they have the specialists there that know the the very complex and diverse uh, reactions that that we share, which are very uniquely to the individual. So they they meet you where you're at. They can give you tools, resources. They break down that barrier and, and really draw you in and give you the tools and resources so that you can start dealing with the things that you're holding on to, which is so self-destructive. You're talking about what we might all understand as an empowerment because when you are disempowered, you are the victim. But if then someone is, as you say, someone who's the cheerleader on the sidelines, someone who understands where you're at, that's an empowering thing. And that comes very much from uh, this sort of organisation that you're now connected with and the sort of thing you're encouraging in your book and the sort of thing you're encouraging everyone to say, get someone around you who understands you and they will be an empowerment to you. Absolutely. Like you were saying in the break, being a champion for you. Now, I never had anybody that was there for me and that's why I suffered in silence. And when I did try to tell my ex-husband, he recoiled. He was shocked. He did not have the capacity because we're we're talking about intense things here. And if somebody that you speak to doesn't have the understanding and and let's just say, you know, many people won't, that's why a specialist organisation, that's why people that do understand or live survivors like myself, this is why I speak up. That's why I have so many clients coming to me because I get it. And you need someone who's going to look you in the eyes and not say, tell me about that. But the first question is, what do you need How can I help? Wow. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Mike is in Launceston, Tasmania. Hi, Mike. Welcome along. Yeah, thanks. Um, 61 years ago, as a four-year-old, I was walking in in suburban Melbourne. I would suggest we don't let our kids out at four four to do that. But a stranger exposed himself, and and I didn't tell anybody. (laughs) I don't know whether... (laughs) <laughs> you know, bed wedding into my teenage years was was caused by that. Wow. And other you know, other sin habits. Mike, I can hear obviously and the emotion uh, and this is we're talking sixty years ago uh, this happened and you can see that from that time there was uh, a change in the way you saw the world and that's so significant. Renee, what are your thoughts for Mike? 
Mike, I, I I so hear you and I hear your anguish. And can I just say that again, going back to trauma, there is no right or wrong way to respond. Your body responds in the way that it responds. It is a primal reaction. It's not something that you can control. The body reacts in a way to keep you alive, to keep you surviving, and it was doing the best it could. And I just want you to hear that I am validating your experience, and I am so sorry for what you went through. And please, if you do need support, if it, if it is something that you go, you know what, I need to talk to somebody, please look into finding an organization or contact us and we will put you in contact with whoever it is that can help you. Uh, Just before we let Mike go here, putting you on the spot, Renee, um, Mike, and Mike, you shared, this is 60 years ago, uh, where will God be in Mike in his life today that can even heal those issues of the past help him to overcome what he sees as that trauma of that time and uh, can set him on a new trajectory because I imagine it's never too late. Never too late. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, he does have a plan and a purpose for your life. And I had to hold on to those words so tightly. And Mike, if I can direct you to his word, to his love, to his compassion. And at the beginning, it may just feel like words. It may feel like there's a disconnect, but you know, 26 years I have been working on this and I can honestly say hand on heart that I am completely healed and whole because of God's redemptive love. Mike, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. I wonder whether, just reflecting on another thought from a Facebook comment from a listener, Jane says... They never really do overcome it, but the sting can be taken out through good Christian counselling and the love of God. Now, that's, uh, is, that's Jane's perspective. And, and you just said, uh, Renee, you can overcome this. Uh, some people might be saying, well, you know, is this hit and miss and does it happen for everybody? What are your thoughts for Jane? There absolutely is no uh, cookie cutter approach to this, obviously. And, you know, it is not a one size fits all. Like I said, whenever I speak, whenever I share, whenever I talk to survivors or on any panel, I can only speak from my perspective and and from the women that I have coached and worked very closely with. And there are many, many, many stories of complete and utter healing of many people standing up and say, I no longer triggered. I no longer operate out of a dysfunctional manner. And the, the love of God really can do that. And absolutely, like Jane said, good Christian counseling, good support around you. But it absolutely is possible. I've heard countless stories. And that's what fills me with such hope. Wonderful encouragement. There is a complete healing from the trauma of childhood sexual abuse. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Errol is on the line from Slacks Creek in Queensland. Hello, Errol. Welcome. Oh, hi, dear. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Errol. What are your thoughts for our conversation? I'll just turn the radio down a little bit. Uh, yeah, if, if you want yeah. to turn that down, yep, sure. Yeah, I did. Actually, I was uh, heading up to 86 years old at the moment, but uh, I was abused around 10 years old. Wow. And uh, my abuse turned to crime, so I became a thief at, at a very young age. It, 
led to me right up till I was about 40 years old. And I remember uh, the person that did it, but uh, I wasn't bored again at the time. Uh, but when I got bored again, uh, when I was about 40 years old in 1976, I uh, still had this guilt and shame on me. Uh, but later on, and probably a few years later on, I, the Lord said to me, uh, you still got that shame and guilt? And my answer was, yes, I do, because of the incident that happened. And uh, after I uh, just don't ask the Lord, what am I going to do about it? He said, you need to forgive that person. And when I sort of thought about it, I thought, well, the Lord says to forgive no matter what. So I forgave that person and uh, all that guilt and shame just left me immediately after I did it. So I guess my answer to the question about all these people that the stories I've heard is seek the Lord, ask him what you should do about it and forgive that person. Because once you forgive them, the Lord says, I will forgive you no matter what you've done. In Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as you said from the West, I remember your sin no more. But it wasn't your sin, it was another person's sin, but you still need to forgive them. And I think that's about all I have to say, Neil. Errol. Thank you very much. God bless you all. I could listen to you all day and just uh, testifying so beautifully. Thank you so much for mm. your call. But uh, don't leave us straight away because... I want to get to Renee's thoughts for your situation. Renee, I mean, how inspiring is Errol? Errol, you can't see me right now, but I have the hugest smile on my face as I was listening to you share your story of forgiveness. And, you know, I'm really trying to hold my tears back right now because I can hear it and I felt it as well when I did that. And, you know, I, I always remind people forgiveness is not about you. Uh, it's not about the other person. It's about you. Errol, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. We can still take some more calls. 1-800-316-316. People responding on Facebook too. Carolyn says, yes, with the support of truly loving Christians, I've also needed deliverance and help to my true identity in God as his daughter. Now, there's some big issues uh, that that comes up there for uh, Carolyn. Uh, What are your thoughts for, you know, and I guess when Carolyn says uh, deliverance, uh, she might be talking about a prayer into the situation. And sometimes these are significant spiritual issues too, no doubt, but perhaps a a response from you for Carolyn. Yeah, Carolyn, really good points there, particularly around identity. Um, Deliverance, yes, because again, that was it's a separation of you from the incident. So for me, I had to learn that I was not the thing that happened to me. I was me. And as you referred to identity, identity is the key of all of this. This is where the healing begins. Who am I? Who does God say that I am? I am not defined by my past or what I experienced. That was just something that occurred to me. I am bigger than that. God is on my side and with him, I can do anything. I don't want to miss the opportunity to just delay the next call, but just to say uh, Esther from Mm. the Bible is one of your heroines. Uh, Give us a little insight here into what Esther's story does for you, Renee. 
It really reminds me that God is always working in the background. I mean, if you look at Esther's situation, um, you know, she was beautiful. She she had what everybody thought was going to be plan A and her life was set out. But God was like, no, 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 no. I've got a whole nother plan for you. However, she needed to seek him out. She needed to take a step back and think about, hang on, what are my choices here? What am I going to do? She didn't rush headlong into the situation. She sought God. She got her wisdom from him and then she obeyed him. And it says, you know, you've come to the palace for such a time as this. And that is, it gives me goosebumps. My entire purpose now has been set on fire for, and I truly believe that God allowed that refining fire to purge me of all of my past to bring me to where I am now, to be sharing my purpose, which is to give hope and healing to survivors, not only just through my story, but through God's word and what he can do. And the courage that she displayed is something that I hold on to all the time. And it says in Proverbs 31 verse 8, to speak for people who cannot speak for themselves. And that's how that's how I feel every day I want to live my life. Wonderful to talk about these things in the context of a whole lifetime because I know there'll be a question or two rattling around in listeners' minds. Well, if God is so good and does all these wonderful things, why did he allow those bad things to happen at the beginning? But we're talking about a whole lifetime lifetime here and we're talking about the presence of a sinfulness in humanity we're talking about the deliverance than the redemption that comes from God your thoughts here on the idea that some people might be saying well if God is so good why didn't he stop all that bad stuff happening early well I can honestly say if what had happened to me did not happen. I would not be living the life of extraordinary dreams. Every day I wake up and I am so grateful that I get to do what I do. My gratefulness when I see the sunshine or the sky is blue, what wells up in me, Neil, there is no way I would feel what I feel if I had just had the average, average everyday life that was you know, entitled or didn't know pain. It has made me such a strong, courageous person. It has afforded me the children that I have. I look around myself and that's why I called my book Battle Scars Are Beautiful. My life today is beautiful and I didn't, I didn't succeed despite my past. I succeeded because of my past and I truly do believe that that is what God can do for us. I don't look back on my on my past with despair. I look back at, at it and say thank you God for showing me what I, what you could do with me when I sought you out and I and I just embrace every day with courage and you can see me through. When we talk about battle scars, this is a really important point I think because it's the reason why you are able to be so uh, healing and positive when you talk about these things because you've suffered the battle scar and you wouldn't have this opportunity to now have a trajectory that you have on a platform uh, and yours is going to be more public than a lot of our listeners today but listeners they have because they bear the battle scars a real opportunity to speak into the lives of others mm. and when we talk about good news the gospel is good news. If you've got battle scars, the good news is much more powerful to you than someone who doesn't have those battle scars. Any thoughts around uh, the fact that those battle scars, they are really valuable to have? They, I, I wear them proudly because I, I say at the outset of my book in the foreword that battle scars are just evidence of what could have destroyed us failed. 
And there is no way that I would be able to speak into people's lives who are suffering if I did not have my own personal experience. We seek people out that we resonate with. We seek people out that we admire because they may have experienced something that you too have a personal experience with. So now being able to say, hey, this happened to me. It's going to be okay. This is what I did. These are some very practical ways that you know you may be able to start your own journey. The impact that has to somebody is absolutely life-saving. And those battle scars are something that I encourage people to wear with pride. You know, embrace them and say, yeah, look at me. I overcame this. I am now stronger and better for that. Let's speak to parents for a moment because oftentimes things will come to light in their own children and even the parents might even feel ashamed that something like that has happened and it could be a family member, a family friend, someone who, you know, you don't want this whole thing to erupt in the way that it does. What are your thoughts for parents and the special protections, the special boundaries that they might need to be implementing for their children to protect their children from some of the things that are realities that can happen to them? First of all, it's never, ever too late Too late to start. I'm contacted by people with little babies that sort of say, right, help me, what do I do now? And then I'm contacted by parents that have got teenagers or even early adults and say, look, I think I've missed the boat here. I think that something's happened. Not that my child's ever come to me, but what do I do? It is never too late to have that conversation. The point is to always make it age appropriate. Obviously, the language you will use with a three-year-old will be very different language that you would use with an 18 or 20-year-old. But about teaching your child that their body at, at a young age is their body, it is special, it is sacred, it is not for anybody else to touch. And, you know, in the days when I was growing up, we ran around with no clothes on. It was, oh, isn't that so cute? Protect your child. Don't just, you know, again, their body is sacred. And the sooner we teach them that, the sooner they become aware, oh, that happened, that doesn't feel right because mum and dad told me that that's not okay, that that's not allowed. You have to give your children a voice. And that starts by having that communication that anything you tell mummy and daddy, we are going to listen to. And you have to tell them things like, if you don't want to, you know, hug Uncle Joe when he comes to visit. That's okay. You don't have to. Give them the voice, empower them from a young age, let them know they are entitled to feel what they feel and to say no is invaluable. We didn't get any calls from anyone who was saying, this happened to me in my local church. We know that over the past decade or more, there's been a lot of profile given to the sexual abuse that's happened in church circles. And I wonder whether you've got some thoughts here because some people will be either themselves thinking of their own story or thinking of all the headlines they've seen for a decade that paints the church as being evil uh, in that sense, uh, separating that those bad things that may have happened in church life, separating those from the perfection we see in Christ. I wonder if you've got any thoughts for people who are wondering about what's happened in church, and we haven't really talked about that this hour. Any thoughts here? I think we just have to remember, and I know I do this, when my heart is just so gravely hurt every time I see a headline, like any headline that involves child abuse. But when it's the church, and this is the thing, those two words, the church, we're talking about people. People are sinful. We know that. 
But but the title, the, the power that they're given, the roles that they're in, again, when you are this type of person, they are the perfect roles for this person to be in, to be able to prey on the vulnerable. And I think we just have to be very, very good at remembering the bigger the church, the more sinners. Yep. <laughs> so the, the God says he came to heal the sick. Okay, so we know that there's depravity in the world. But again, we have to hold the person accountable. We can't do victim blaming and we can't do organizational blaming. It is the person we have to hold account. And of course, there has been grave, grave failures. Absolutely. But I think, again, talking about it and, um, you know, I won't even get into the justice system um, because it's a whole nother conversation, but it really does get down to people are sinful. We know that. We have to get better as a society of speaking out, putting the blame where it lays and being better at absolutely reaching out and supporting the survivors. It's the survivors that get left behind here. And for those who feel alone, uh, the idea that if you haven't got someone who is a special close friend, who is your cheerleader on the sideline, the person who's championing you through, the person who understands what you've come from in your background and helping you to get that trajectory right, that the most likely place you're going to find someone who is going to be a cheerleader is likely to be in your local church. So uh, we can look across the people in the aisle and, you know, they're going through their own challenges. They've had their own story. Everyone's got their own story to tell. But you'll find a friend, you'll find a cheerleader, perhaps more easily in your local church than anywhere else. That's where I find Mount. I hadn't spoken to anybody, Neil. I'd kept it silent until I had my daughter. And it was when I looked at her that I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this is a game changer here. You really need to sort yourself out. You do not have the luxury now of falling down and not getting back up. I opened the phone book. I walked into a church. I I put my hand up that very service and said, I'm all in. I want what you're talking about. I want that Jesus person in my life. And I spoke to a pastor. They were the first person, Neil, to ever look at me and say, oh, my gosh, Renee, I'm so sorry. We're here for you. How can we help you? And I just broke down. Nobody in my entire life, not even my closest family, not my parents, nobody had ever asked me that question. And you know what? In church and in a conversation like this, uh, listening in wherever you are today, you might say, well, I don't understand all that theological stuff about Jesus. But what I can hear Renee saying is Jesus works. And my encouragement to you is to seek Jesus and bring him into the painful trauma circumstances that you've experienced and experience that the Lord is good. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And even if you don't understand all those other theological things and complicated things, put your trust in Jesus, Jesus works. We have run out of time. Renee, your book is called Battle Scars Are Beautiful. From Victim to Victory, and where is it available? Where can listeners get a hold of a copy right now when they go online? Just head straight to my website, which is reneemichelle.com. Now, Renee has one E, so it's just R-E-N-E, and Michelle has one L, just trying to keep it simple.com. And anybody who does purchase the book through the website, I will personally sign, put a personalized message in there for you. Just put in the note box that you heard me on Vision Christian Radio, and I will put in a special gift for you. Renee, let's not leave it too long before we have you back in and we'll talk about some other dimensions of your story. But uh, ReneeMichelle.com 
is the website. You can get a hold of Renee's book there. It's called Battle Scars Are Beautiful, From Victim to Victory. Renee, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story once again today on 2020. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.